Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast. Hope everybody's having a great Wednesday afternoon. Lovely to have you all in here for another edition of the Primetime Show, or rather the 615 Sessions if you're watching on YouTube uh, or if you're hanging out with the audio version of the podcast. We're happy to have you as well. Joe Rexroad of The Athletic. Robbie and Rex, 1025 The Game, 6 to 10 a.m. on 1045 The Zone. That's where you can listen to them if you want to, or the occasional appearance on the podcast as well. Hi, bud. (laughs) Oh, no. It is so timely that it froze right when I tossed you. Now I can see you're moving, Rex Road. Actually, it's probably good because you said we were on... Six to ten on the zone, so we f- up twice. Um, so <laughs> you know what? You know what? That's yeah, fair. Let, let me just let me try this. Let me try this. Okay, you try that, and I'll <laughs> yeah, correct let, the. Let, uh, yeah, let me try this. I'll correct the situation. No, Rex Road does his show for one zero two five the game, which is of course not the radio station that I work for. That's one zero four five the zone. Either way, Rex is going to mobilize himself. Um, as we get ready to talk about the Vols prospects in this draft, Rex was also at the Tennessee spring game where Nico Yamaliava and Joe Milton were, uh, throwing passes for the first time in front of a crowd of about 60,000 people. Meanwhile, while Rex road makes faces at you, I'll tell you that the podcast is presented by two rivers, Ford, two rivers, Ford powered by Ford driven by people and relax the back a new partner that we're very happy to have on the show that will also help you work better live better and feel better every day hashtag we got your back nashville at relaxtheback.com. uh all right so rex is here rex seems to be functioning and rex is going to talk vols prospects today yeah yeah i look like uh it's weird i almost look like a ghost right now like look at that so there's like the light behind me and stuff i'm almost angelic right now so angelic that means, or, but. you know, or hollow. Some would say fake, not real. I don't know. necessarily <laughs> Two dimensional translucent, uh, I think is applicable here. Mm. But yeah. Uh, I, which is maybe a compliment. Maybe uh, you're less fat than I gave you credit for. And now we can physically see through you as opposed to just being able to see around you um, with, with blubber can be translucent buck. <laughs> in most situations yeah so you're at the spring game and Hennon hooker is there the main attractions obviously joe milton and nico um but you wrote a piece for the athletic.com that everybody should check out where rex and all his colleagues doing great sports journalism um at the athletic.com tennessee football and the three quarterbacks who will shape the vols future which includes Hendon hooker on his way to the draft what kind of what kind of sparked the idea, and and then where did it kind of take you? Yeah, well, I, I sort of had the idea at some point to write about Hooker and how he's important, and and not just really for for Heupel, but really for anybody who runs this offense. I mean, Lane Kiffin counts in this group too. Like all these coaches who have adopted the Bryles system, um, and like there aren't a lot. Syracuse kind of does it, you know, but I think you're going to see more of it. And at some point, I think you got to see one of these quarterbacks be good in the NFL. I don't believe that, like the system ruins quarterbacks or precludes them from being successful. I just think that they haven't had 
I mean, in some cases, like, you know, like Bryce Petty, probably in any system, like he, like the system made him look better than he was. Right. So I think in some, in some cases it has inflated the ability of some quarterbacks. Right. I mean, Jared Stidham, like some of these guys just weren't, just weren't good enough. And RG3, who knows? I mean, if you go back and he didn't have the knee injury, I mean, maybe this wouldn't even be a thing. He was dynamic as a rookie. But look, on the recruiting trail, one of my favorite things is coaches saying that they don't negative recruit. You all negative recruit. That's all you do. All you do is compare yourself to the competitors for a particular player, and you talk about the other ones negatively compared to you. And plenty of people talk about this offense i mean there's all there's the subtext is there kentucky week last year in particular liam cohen and uh or not liam cohen i apologize he wasn't there they're their new oc and then and, uh, and levis and so you know it's like hey we you know, this is a pro style this is we, we develop quarterbacks for the league here you know that's i covered a program for a long time pro style offense. they would always take shots at spread offenses you know in terms of development it's it you know every edge you can get and it's a big deal nil's NIL, and it's going to be there. And Nico is in Knoxville, and NIL can be thanked largely for that. But you know what? He's still not going somewhere that he doesn't think he can turn into an NFL quarterback. And I just think it would be a big deal for Tennessee if Hendon Hooker, one, just goes in the first round at all. I think it would be a big deal. You know, kind of show you. See, the NFL people look at this system, and they don't think, yeah, that's gimmicky, and you can't make it in the league. But then also they need they need a quarterback to be good in the NFL. And it could be Hooker. It could be Joe Milton. It could be Nico after that. I mean, I think all of them have that talent, have that uh, a potential. But look, it, as time goes on, I mean, the Browse system has been more than a decade now. We still haven't seen a quarterback do anything in the league. And it is different. It's not – I mean, when Mariota came out, Buck, people were talking about that Chip Kelly offense, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, look to the sideline and get your little weird, you know, Frito Lay sign, and then you know, go and then you read half the field, and you know, I some of that stuff's been debunked now. I mean, most quarterbacks are in something like that, but this offense does some things mechanically that they just don't do in the NFL. And if your primary read is like your receiver, whether he's going to how he reads coverage, whether he's going to take the choice to go deep or cut off his route as opposed to reading the whole field and reading the defensive coverage, that is a huge adjustment you have to make to the NFL. It It's a great point by you um, because that's, that's the thing, like the first round projections on him, because you could envision a number of different scenarios, right? With a lot of different teams that have weird kind of stopgap quarterback needs to, you know, uh, teams that obviously need, players who are going to be available in the next couple of years, like the Titans, because their starters contract is getting ready to expire. And then hooker doesn't really fit the qualification of a team that needs a starter right now, but it sounds like he's going to be ready for the start of the season based on the ACL recovery. Um, we'll let the medicals play out as they go. But like for, for the NFL analysts who are having such a hard time with Jalen Hyatt, I think that the system speaks it's it's a struggle there when you have the option as a as a wide receiver to choose which kind of routes you're going to run the way that they do in this offense. And when Jalen Hyatt is just capable more often than not of running by guys, you know, I don't think I've seen Jalen Hyatt run an, uh, an out route, right? Like I just there there are things that they don't necessarily they're not required to run that make the evaluation of them a little harder. But I think that point that you just made about the need to adjust in real time 
beyond just looking at, okay, is he just throwing to his first progression or handing off, kind of taking into account more nuances of the system that I don't really feel like, Joe, are being discussed in mainstream draft coverage. I think that is a big part of the evaluation and what would make Hooker successful at the next level. Because that kind of instinct that is required there, you can improve it, but you can't outright coach it without it coming in, to, for lack of a better term. Like, he has that innate ability to be able to adjust, to be able to isolate and eliminate. And I think what you're describing there kind of articulates that in a way that I'm not hearing talked about enough. Yeah, to your point on Hyatt, I mean, look, it's a great scheme, you know? I mean, And that's what's so funny, too, is like college coaches do everything they can to make things simple for their players, right? To, to win, to to bring out their talent to maximize what they have. And then they argue with everybody. No, no, it's actually way more hard than you think. No, they, you know, but look, you watch their offense. Yeah. Jalen Hyatt never got pressed last year. What they do basically makes that impossible. And now I will say this, and this point has been brought up. I think Dane Brugler brought this up. You know, if you watch all of Hyatt's film last year, he, I mean, he went in and ran some slants in the red zone and took hits and won 50, 50 balls. You know, I mean, he, I think he's demonstrated playing. I think he's going to be good. I mean, he runs, he's tough. He's still, he's got to work on some elements of the route tree, but you know, I mean, I think he's going to be fine, but yeah, like you just don't have some evaluation elements that you have in really just about any other offense. Um, Look, personally, Buck, I think hooker is going to be fine. I think we've seen enough of him have to go through reads and have to throw over the middle of the field. And in big pressure moments, you think about, some of those drives against Alabama, yes, there were some – you could have arm-punted a couple of those touchdowns, but also he had to make some some tremendous plays under duress that apply to any system. You know, some of it is – I mean, some of it's just like the scramble drill and keep your eyes upfield and avoid the rush and make throws. And, look, he, he's you know, he, he's a he's an extremely impressive, you know, I don't want to say kid – but for my age, I can I mean, say kid, I guess, all the way around. Damn near my right? age, Joe. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're, are you 30 yet? No. Oh, my God. I hate you. Um, <laughs> Listen, I, it's unfortunate. <laughs> a lot of my formative years have been spent around you and the rest of our Titans media brethren, which has been pretty toxic to my it's long-term uh, trajectory. But, you know, we'll have time to spend together next week with the draft. Yes, we will. I mean, yeah, just remember, when when I was your age, people, like, smoked cigarettes in the, you know, in the media room. So, I mean, you know, it has gotten less toxic. Uh, no, but – I mean, Hooker, I think Hooker's going to work out. I think he's. I think Hooker is going to be a good quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but I think he's going to be a starting quarterback at some point, and I think he can be good. And that alone, I think, will debunk some of this, you know, the Bryles system. It just can't translate. It is a process, though, and I, look, healthy knee or not, I mean, I mean, I think this of just about any rookie coming out, but uh, sitting a year would be a huge benefit. Do you feel like enough – NFL people watch college football? That's a good question. Um, well, I and I don't want to take full credit question. for it because I had Ryan McGee on, on the radio show today uh, from ESPN. And we're talking about, you know, the NCAA investigation that's going on with Tennessee and a couple other things. But he, he brought up the idea of just like how big the gulf he feels like between the way people talk about college football players who cover college football, who watch college football with regularity, versus the way that the NFL starts to pick them apart once they become part of the cycle. And he he kind of put it to me in a way that made made me really have to think about it. Like, Joe, before I had the, the, the radio show, I didn't watch that much college football. Like, I just, you know, it's 
NFL Sundays are our job. I don't know how you do it with all, like basically all sports all the time in any given situation, but like there's only so much that I think you can consume, especially when you watch these things on a granular level, the way that NFL people watch the NFL and college football people watch college football. But there does seem to be such a gulf between them when it comes to this time of year where you start to see that cross-pollination. I think it's fair to wonder if enough NFL people really actually watch college football that way. Yeah, and, I, and it is. And I think, you know, obviously personnel people watch film, right, exhaustively. But that is still different than sitting down and watching a whole game. I, I do think there's value in, like, even, like, the just the TV tape of a game just because there's some things that – you know, just in the course of a game, you know, that maybe they aren't critical to your your really granular study of a player. But, you know, like, like go back to the Alabama-Tennessee game. I mean, just, just even, like, the, the emotion and gravity of some of those moments. Like, I feel like that's part of why, like, I came out of that game saying, well, Bryce Young better go number one overall next year. He is the best freaking player in the country. And he, and he is going to go number one overall, by the way. Um, and also that like Hendon Hooker, I mean, other, both of them watch that, just that football game. And I think you have a different appreciation sometimes for players. So yeah, it's a good question. I, I, you know, you figure like people watch their alma maters and stuff, right? I mean, on Saturday, it's basically a travel day, little, what little meeting, little dinner. I mean, you, you would have the opportunity to watch it. Whereas if you flipped it around, college people sure as heck don't watch the nfl but that doesn't matter right um but i i never really thought about that before maybe that is part of it that if you're just confined to like film cut-ups sometimes you maybe miss something intangibly on players well i'm, I'm also speaking to a larger to a larger situation because you're you're applying it specifically to like coaches and evaluators and, mm-hmm. and, and and things like that i'm talking about the people who are tasked with talking about this shit for three months you know what I'm saying? Like I'm talking about the NFL, like media pundits gotcha. out there who are, and, and I, but I also think this matters for, for the segment of the evaluator uh, population that you just described. I think it's, I think it lacks context a lot of times. And certainly during the season, like coaches, the first time they're getting real exposure to these dudes, it's like senior bowl most of the time. Uh, and that's, you know, only a percentage of the dudes who will be available before you can go to the combine and deal with underclassmen. Um, but I think, I think just in the way that a lot of people who don't watch college football or don't like call games, even for ESPN, the way that like Dan Orlovsky does, for example, and when they're tasked with talking about guys like hooker or evaluating guys like hooker, and they're doing it in the same way that the personnel evaluators are in the league, but without the access to Nick Saban or Josh Heupel or whomever, in this circumstance and then formulating their opinions that way, I think that can be legitimately detrimental. Speaking of Orlovsky, it's like Justin Fields a couple years ago. He he did Justin Fields some harm with that commentary about, you know, not necessarily first guy in, last guy out type of situation. If you remember those headlines right. that went viral. Right. I, I really do think that there's there's a problem there that kind of, you know, uh makes makes this uh it it I'm, I'm not sure it pollutes the conversation a little bit. I'm that's not the right word, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny because so on the, I mean, obviously a lot of my weekends, I cover a college game on Saturday and a, you know, on the Titans Sunday, which you know, the funny thing about that is of course, like you obviously are plugged in the Titans, you cover the Titans. 
but that also means we don't get to watch the other NFL games. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. On a, on a Sunday. The funny thing is like, if I, if there's like a travel weekend for a Titans game and like, I'm not, I don't have a Saturday game to cover or whatever. Like you have to make a choice and you, and you choose the Titans. What do we do? Probably go to the bar and watch college football. Don't we? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every time like, it's our, it's our day off at that point. But, and that's what I would choose. Like, yeah. cause I love it. Maybe some people don't. And some people are just like, like I need a break from sports or whatever, but yeah, I mean, to me, they're too closely tied together. And this part of the year has become so important that I almost feel like it's your obligation now. Right. I I would think so, but I just, I see so many holes and maybe I'm noticing it more because I had like, I, I was one of those people. Like if we had an off Saturday, I, I may go to college football or, or uh, go watch college football with my buddies at a bar, but like, I may not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I may just go do something else with my day because I'm exhausted and certainly uh, in the earlier years was not making enough money to like go out and have disposable income that way. Just, just go out to the club, get some drink service, right? Some, some, uh, right. Yeah. So, you know, the occasional uh-huh. yeah. bottle, but that's, that's, typically during, yeah, sure, that, that's sure. typically during like the Hawaii games and stuff like that. Like that's only for the degenerates who are chasing with gambling. Um, so the bottle service time does bottle not service. I'm sorry. I said drink service. Yeah. Bottle service. Yeah. The bottle service does Fancy not necessarily uh, 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 have to have to keep me from watching college football. I can't accomplish both. I'm talented that way. Uh, but I think that uh, I think that now I'm noticing more because, you know, with the with three hours of talk radio, plus the streaming show, plus this podcast, plus co- talking to Greg Cosell once a week in ways that scare the shit out of me. If I ask Greg a dumb <laughs> question. Like I have feel like I have to watch all this stuff and I get on, I turn on television, see other people talking about the same things we are in a much different way. And it confuses me. Yeah. Well, that's sometimes though. You also just, I mean, look, people who spent the same amount of time watching Hendon Hooker, I, I think as, as me this year, or this has happened with other players in the past still also could have a completely different opinion too. Right. I mean, the funny thing about all this and so much of this is talking about quarterbacks, but like, I mean, how many people who do this for a living, who absolutely have watched every stitch of film and have interviewed the players and have talked to their families and coaches and trainers still get it totally wrong every year. That's what's fun about it though. No, I, 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 well, it's, it's what's infuriating about it is if you're somebody who's tossed with tasked with talking about it this often, but um, I do think, you know, there's a little bit of a Christmas day element to it. And then, yeah, you have no, like with this Houston Texans thing, uh, courtesy of uh, Adam Schefter reporting that he's or not reporting that the Texans aren't taking a quarterback at two, but very passionately, you know, hinting at it on NFL live, basically shouting on national television that he'd take, uh, you know, a hundred to one odds that the Texans wouldn't select a quarterback at two. That basically upends everything that we've been talking about for the better part of a month and a half, two months at this stage and it could all be irrelevant. It could all come down the exact same way. We have no idea until the draft order actually starts. Yeah. I, I feel like I probably have said this too many times because we're all prisoners of the moment, but I'm pretty excited about this one and all the different iterations here, all the different possibilities. That one certainly threw me for a loop. Um, And just the fact that the Titans could get involved here and jump up there at some point. I mean, I, uh, I I just I feel like there's more intrigue in this draft than in a lot of years. But again, maybe I am. Maybe I'm just being prisoner of the moment. I mean, last year we were like, are any of these quarterbacks good at all? 
Well, and turns out, you know, and maybe one not. Of them, one of them might be, and yeah. uh, he's the only one that went in the first round uh, to date. With uh, Atlanta visiting with Anthony Richardson today, even though they took Desmond Ritter with a second round pick last year. I want to I want to talk about the other Vols prospects though in this draft class, Joe, because I I do think you know we've spent a lot of time talking about them on on various platforms or writing about them in this way, but I do think there's an interesting discussion to be had about. Who, which of them might drop further than expected? Because all five of the known commodity draftable products, I think, are being discussed as day one or day two picks. But um, I think there's a little bit of wiggle room in there, and, and I want to get to that here in just a second, right after I remind the lovely people watching and listening to us today that the 615 Sessions podcast is presented by Relax the Back. Joe looks like his back hurts. Joe looks like... He's sitting in an uncomfortable. It does. <laughs> does your back hurt, Joe? It does. Thank you. Do you need Do you need a new office chair, Joe? That actually sounds lovely. Are you sitting on a futon that would probably further exacerbate your back problems, Joe? It's a cushy leather couch. Well, then I have the I have the exact <laughs> thing for you to keep you from contorting yourself and making your back problems as a very old man even worse. Relax the back has got you covered. Hashtag, we got your back, Nashville, is the slug line, and that's because it's true. I was in there the other day. Their office chairs are exceptional. Uh, Glenn, who runs the show and will help you find the thing that makes the most sense for both your sleep, your work, if you're in an office chair, to live better, to feel better every single day. We all know how much can get jacked up if you're messing around with your back. Don't do it. The four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy work, healthy body, healthy mind. Relax the back and all their great products and offerings can get you covered. Relaxtheback.com. See, Joe? Just that simple. Um, I get a cut. <laughs> darn it. Uh, uh, I, I have yet to figure out how to compensate people who have been appearing on this podcast for free for the better part of, I mean, damn near five years at this point. We probably should figure that out at, uh, at a certain stage. But, you know, we'll get I wasn't going to say anything, but, yeah, good call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of the five that we know, Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Darnell Wright, Byron Byron Young. Who, which of those do you think is most likely to drop further than where they're being discussed? Well, I, I look. I think Hooker. The Hooker is interesting because if I had to guess right now, I'm going to guess that someone likes him enough to jump up to the bottom of the first and take him and get that fifth year. But you know what? If you tell me that Hooker doesn't go until mid or late second round, that I, I could see that happening. I think most people would not. I think most people would be surprised by that right now. But I don't think that's a shocking outcome if it happens. I also, look, I personally like Tillman better than Hyatt as an NFL receiver. Agreed. I like Hyatt a lot. But people forget what Cedric Tillman, who's running a solid 4-5, with his physicality, with what he does – high pointing the football and running routes i i think uh, so i so so long story short on that one i think hyatt is another possibility i mean i think darnell wright clearly is going to go first among all those guys yeah and to you know, your point earlier buck about like watching games and i like i mean i, I rewatch the game too but tennessee alabama if you watch the football game you were stunned 
throughout the duration of him just absolutely handling Will Anderson the entire game by himself with no help. Like, it was just like, okay, so this dude just turned himself into a first-round pick. Like, everybody knew he was good. He's a five-star recruit, but he's on the left side. You know, he's a right tackle. But he made himself so much money that day. Like, if you watch the game, that that obviously did not get nearly the attention of Hooker, Hyatt, Bryce Young, all that stuff, but it was stunning. No, I mean, but where it, where it mattered, it did, Joe, right? Like, not not larger discussion, right? Because that's not the thing that's sexy out of the Tennessee-Alabama game with all right. the different storylines and people carrying out the goalposts and sinking them in the river and all these different other things. But, like, that it uh, the way that it caught my attention, it wasn't because I noticed Darnell Wright or Will Anderson. It was that I noticed Hooker just sitting back there, just picking them apart. Like, pressure or lack thereof from the Alabama defense then I started to look for Will Anderson then I saw where Will Anderson was and I I was fixated on that as much as I was anything else that was happening on the field it was crazy um crazy to watch and and that is the that is the tape that is consistently cited by NFL talent evaluators when you talk to them about Darnell Wright plus like I I don't know if you saw him at the spring game standing next to Trey Smith Trey Smith is a mountain of a man. Trey Smith is a big-ass dude. And Darnell Wright kind of towers over him a little bit. Like, <laughs> right. that might be this one of the most physically powerful, powerful like, point-of-contact offensive linemen in this draft. And I think that Will Anderson tape is further evidence to that point. Yeah, he's going to be uh, a really good right tackle in this league. He's going to, in the run game, He's got quick feet. He's got everything. He's he's going to be very good. Byron Young is interesting. Actually, I, honestly, so Byron Young, do people think he's going in the second round? I think he could go end of the second just because he's an edge guy. Yeah, potentially. But I I would guess, you know, third on him. Uh, and look, I, I, I like Byron Young a lot. I think I think he's a guy who can help a team uh, for sure. I, you look at him and he hasn't played as much football as a lot of these guys. He's bounced around, you know, the story's well documented, uh, what he did. And I think even improving from 21 to 22 at Tennessee, you've got, you've got some room here with him to grow still. So uh, it's, it's a, actually a really good class of prospects all the way around, you know, those five guys. I just, I mean, that kind of brings it full cir- circle to your story. If you're just now jumping on Joe wrote, about the Tennessee quarterbacks in particular, uh, Hooker, Milton, and Nico coming off the uh, orange and white game this weekend, which was uh, taken with a surprising uh, lack of reaction by Vols fans. They seemed all very happy with everything that went down, and uh, nobody was having any strong opinions one way or the other about it. It was kind of crazy to see. Um, but, you know, just... Just uh, wait till the fall, Buck. Oh, yeah. No, that I'm, I'm ready. For, I'm ready for the first Milton overthrow in a game uh, against one of these early regular season cupcakes that starts to get people itching for uh, for the five-star freshman sitting on the bench. But I, I do think that the the amount of prospects that we're talking about and like draftable prospects, right? Because Jeremy Banks, Jerome Carvin, like there were other dudes that are going to be draft eligible at this point that worked out at the pro day and stuff like that. Whether they're draftable players or not, um, you would definitely probably lean towards not at this stage. But like to have five prospects that we're discussing as day one or day two picks, that's huge for this program. Yeah, and obviously, so off the top of my head, I mean, I guess Hooker would be, well, no, Byron Young would be too, right? I think Byron Young, was Byron Young actually brought in by Heupel? I don't remember. I don't remember if he was brought in by Pruitt or Heupel. 
I think he was Hypel, but I'd have to go back and I'd the, have to go back and double check. Well, actually, no, Hooker was brought in by Pruitt as well. So it's not, you know, it's not necessarily reflective of the staff's recruiting, but certainly it does not hurt to have guys wearing that uniform going to the NFL prominent. And and look, I think with Hooker, well, I think with Hooker and the receivers, you can point to that and say, in this offense, not only do you have fun, score points, go fast, all that stuff, but yeah, you you can get high in the draft out of this offense, which again goes back to can you stick in the NFL and be a good starting quarterback in the NFL from this offense? Someone's going to do it. Is Hendon Hooker the guy to do it? So just to wrap it up here, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but it's kind of crazy how much the the Titans division, the AFC South controls this year's draft, right? With what we're talking about with the Texans, Colts at four, um, Titans even at 11, sniffing around the quarterback situation like, I don't. We just got our email about our pre-draft press conference with Rand Carthon, and I assume Vrabel. Uh, When's next that? Mo- Monday at one. Next Monday at one. Uh, at this point, I'm su- kind of surprised they're doing that draft week with us, but whatever. Um, I think with with all this, like, is is it worst case scenario if Hendon Hooker ends up going to one of the other AFC South teams and playing this team twice a year? <laughs> I've some one way or another, we're going to have like sec AFC South rivalry fun, right? Richards is going to be with somebody or Levis and, or yeah, like you're right. I mean, the, the AFC South, it may be a crappy division buck, but by golly, it's going to shine on draft night. And I mean, like Levis is going to be with one of these teams, right? And it's going to be just like, I think mostly, I think negative fan reaction. But yeah. he could be good. I don't know. They, I can really make good. a case for all of them to be good, Joe. That's sure. like, like I, I actually, you bring that up. I, I got this Orlovsky clip. I used it on primetime the other day. Uh, I've got this Orlovsky clip about him talking about Will Levis. Because I don't think there's any prospect getting negged more in this in this draft discussion than Will Levis after being what he was in 2021. Um, this was Dan Orlovsky on the Pat McAfee show kind of explaining why he thinks Will Levis has the ability to succeed in the pros. The big knock on him that everyone has said is you don't like his decision making. Um, I understand that, but like, I think a lot of decision making was circumstantial. Can he move? Oh, we're down. Can he move? Yeah, but he was hurt this year. Like if you go back to 2021, he moved way better than, than he did in 2022. Here, here's my note. I see you. I see you getting like. Putting your head down. This is what I like. You have a really talented young player, right? He's 22 or 23 years old. And everyone says he's got a tremendous work ethic. So then why do we really think that a guy that's really talented and has a really good work ethic all of a sudden can't play? Like that that his 2021 performance, there's this individual drop-off to 2022? Or... Are there variables like, hey, man, they stunk on the offensive line. His offensive coordinator left. There's not, I don't, I would bet there's not a single skill position player on that offense that's going to play in the NFL. And he was hurt. Yeah, you're right. And he's jock, so you know he's a hard worker. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. he's very disciplined. You can tell that. Okay, I'm over that, the the rest of the commentary there. But uh, I, <laughs> I love know. the clapping at McAfee. Hey, hey, put your head up and pay attention to me, McAfee. That was good. But that, that's what people are doing when you when you talk about Will Levis. They roll yeah. their eyes or they put their heads down and they say, okay, whatever. The guy from Kentucky, sure, fine. Like, 
I just, I can envision a scenario where they all succeed. And I can also envision a scenario where they all go straight to shit because it's the NFL draft and none of us know anything until about three years down the road. And the geography almost matters as much as the talent does. Oh, absolutely. Look, there's plenty of great quarterbacks, would be great quarterbacks who got drafted by the Detroit Lions who did not turn out to be great quarterbacks, man. Believe me. So it's situation, but this also goes kind of to the theme of watching college football, Buck. So I think person, you know, things you see with your own two eyes sometimes can maybe influence you a little bit too much. I I would personally, if I was going to take a flyer, I would take Anthony Richardson well over Will Levis. That's just me, you know, in Knoxville, I watched Anthony Richardson look like freaking number one pick and somehow keep his team in that game with NFL throw after NFL throw. And I understand he was very inconsistent this year. And then I saw Levis look awful, but I think Orlowski's right. I mean, the offensive line was bad. New OC, not healthy. I think, I also think with Levis, it's like some of his little personal quirks. Like if he becomes a good player in the NFL, those will be charming. But right, I almost feel like people use those against him now. And people just don't like him. Now, you've also heard about interviews and stuff too. And that and it does like if you're not smart enough to like understand how to like go into these interviews and help yourself, that worries me a little bit. So I don't know. I I, I, I would avoid him at the same time. I thought Josh Allen sucked through two NFL years and look at him now. No, that's true. Joe Rex Road, 6 to 10 a.m. on 102.5 The Game. Sorry, old habits die wait, hard. Wait, what did you say? 102.5 The Game, 6 to 10 a.m. on 102.5 The Game. 6 to 9. Oh, what, do you got an hour off now? Oh, bleep <laughs> you. What the hell? Yeah, man. Oh, is it too hard for you in the morning to wake up and do four hours of radio? I'm pushing for 45 minutes. All right. Well, 6 to 9 a.m. Thank you. On 1025 the game. You can read him at theathletic.com when I guess he's when he's got time to do more work now on theathletic.com. You should be reading more of Joe Rexford. Get the bleep out of here. All right. Thanks, buddy.